and welcome to episode 171 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. Today we have two segments for you. Uh, kicking the show off, myself and Don talk about a few games that he's been playing. Uh, that includes Mario vs. Donkey Kong Tipping Stars, Xenoblade Chronicles 3DS, and Mario Party 10. And then after that, Alex and Neil host a segment all about Monster Hunter 4. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson, and today I'm joined by Don Koopman. Hello. Hello. It's been a while since i talked to Don, um, but if you're a longtime Connectivity listener, you know typically when it's just me and Don, that means he's going to tell us about some awesome games that he's currently playing that we're not, and he makes us all jealous. But we all love it, because then we get good information about some uh, some upcoming games. Yep. Um, typically, we focus on just one game, but uh, I guess Don has just been very good lately, so he's been... Uh, uh, like Santa came very early or maybe a little bit late and yep. he's actually playing three upcoming games. Um, we have Mario vs. Donkey Kong Tipping Stars. Uh, we have Mario Party 10. Yep. And we have Xenoblade Chronicles 3DS. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. 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 So Don has been playing wow, all wow, those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're going to spend about 10 minutes talking about each. Um, and we will, uh, yeah, we'll go from there. So we're going to start with Mario vs. Donkey Kong uh, Tipping Stars. Uh, so Don, take it away. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so that comes out, well, we're, record, we're currently recording this on Wednesday, so it will release tomorrow in North America and on the 20th in Europe. Um, so why I don't have, why I have codes, I have no idea, but that's besides the point. Um, but Mario vs. Donkey Kong, I would say... Um, it kind of has for me the Mario, no, the Mario Kart 8 syndrome, where I like it, but it doesn't do anything original. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the, my fundamental problem with Tipping Stars is, like, you had all of those bosses and those minigames in the last three games or so. Those are gone. It's basically just the puzzles. Okay. Yeah. Um... And in theory, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. Um, but the puzzles in the beginning are not really that challenging. Um, you basically have to think about it for a few seconds. Like, you overview the field, and then it's pretty much done for. Then you can just go through the puzzle and move on. It is really easy to get through, except for like the really difficult levels at the end, and then the bonus worlds, which are three of them, and you have roughly 24 levels that are really, really challenging. But the rest is not really that, exactly. Um, but I found touring around with it, and with, like, the, and, um, and the workshop, which, um, has been better and improved, and you can share levels over Nintendo Network, which is fun and nice. Oh, that is good, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the main game is less than stellar in this one. Now, if someone hadn't really played a Mario vs. Donkey Kong game before, would you say that maybe they wouldn't have as many problems with it, just because it would be sort of fresh and new? Yeah, uh, that's also kind of what I mean with the Mario Kart 8 syndrome. If you haven't sure. played much Mario Kart before, then you don't have as much issues with it. Um, but if you are playing it like, as your, let's say, your third or your fourth game in the series, then it's not really 
that fantastic. And also considering that it is $20. Oh, that is kind of steep. I didn't realize it was that much. <laughs> yeah, because you get with that like a download code for the other version for the 3DS. Oh, that's right. This yeah. is their first cross-buy. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's how they do it. Um but um yeah did you play did you did you play both versions yes i did um what i mean they're all they're pretty much the same right it's just pretty much whatever um, platform you like to play it on funny you talk about that i just put like one half hour ago uh a comparison video oh okay that shows that um while the structure of the puzzles are similar the way that you handle the puzzles are different and like the the scope of the puzzles are a bit smaller on 3ds Okay. Um, like, the wheel ones are more spread out, which makes them also go a bit slower, which is the down point of that, so you have even more time to think about your solutions. Um, so in that regard, I would actually prefer playing it on 3DS. Uh, okay. because you only have like this 4x3 screen, which is the bottom screen, because there you do all the action on. Mm-hmm. And you have to, React a bit faster on that, and I actually prefer that over the Wii U game. Wow, okay, so the 3DS version, a little faster moving, I guess. You'd say. Yeah, and that's <laughs> funny, because the original version that I first announced was, of course, the Wii U one. Right. So, it's kind of funny that the the version that I, were, what I was all first about is not really the way to play it. Oh, it's fun. Well, what I did with my... Because I have always friends over, so this is how I made it fun. I just asked some friends around, and they could look at the television, and then someone of us would tackle the puzzle, and if they needed help, uh, we could say from, you need to go there, and that that made it sort of fun, I guess. Right, like playing it like as a group like that, yeah. Yeah, but if you are solely playing it on yourself, then I would say that the 3DS version is actually way better. But to say that it's exactly stellar, that is also going a bit too far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you still can get a lot of mileage out of like the online features, uh, which are really really solid. Like it supports um, full on Miiverse both on 3DS and Wii U. Um, okay. Sharing levels is easier. You can do it with friends or just with random people, and they can tip you stars so you can buy new things to use the levels to create oh, the levels right. with. Uh, right, so, I forgot that's the big mechanic, right? That's yeah. why they even titled it Tipping Stars. So yeah. that way, yeah, you can buy new gadgets and stuff to use in your puzzles, right? Yeah, because buying it on your own is rather difficult because one of the packs is already 100 stars. Wow. And, and you get three stars per level, so you would have to grind a lot to get to the point where you could buy as much of the products that are in store. So you really need to make levels to get actually more. Mm. They actually kind of force it upon you. If you make a puzzle on the like the 3DS version, can someone on Wii U play it? Yeah, you know? yeah, they can. Okay, so yeah. the puzzles are, are universal that way. Well, that's good at least. Yeah. So I do I do wonder how that will turn out when you play it because again you have the different scope on 3DS and Wii U, so someone might approach it differently than than say on the Wii U or on 3DS. So I'm wondering how that will turn out in the end when the game goes live tomorrow. Right. Right. Um, do we know, I mean, supposedly it sounds like if you buy one version, you know, you, they give you a code to download the other version, and yeah. a lot of people thought, well, can you just give that code to a friend? 
Uh, and he could download it on, on his platform, you know, on like the Wii U if you got the 3DS you can. version. You, you basically, you get the download code for you somebody just, else. And you just go to the eShop and punch it in like a normal yeah, like, yeah, download yeah. code? Okay. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend someone, I mean, I don't know that Nintendo wants people doing that, but uh, maybe they don't mind. But would you recommend someone almost do that rather than get both versions? I mean, is it worth having I, both I, versions I, in your opinion? Not really. I guess it would make more sense to give somebody else that other version. Like, if if your friend has only a Wii U, not a 3DS, which is kind of weird, but okay. <laughs> let's go Let's go with that scenario. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, they can give that person the, your Wii U code. And if that's the other way around, which is way more likely. Yes. Uh, <laughs> then you can give somebody your 3DS code. Um, okay. Which apparently also works because I know, in fact, that you can, in Europe, in Japan, you can buy it in stores. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you can buy a download code in a box, either 3DS or Wii U. Oh, okay. And then you get, if you still download it, it will prompt you on the eShop, the other download code, which is oh, a okay. weird system. That is weird. Um, but it still works, apparently. What happens um, if you don't write down the code? Is it gone forever? Or can you find that code again? Uh, no, it's still on your receipt. Like, uh, okay. every, every eShop game has a receipt. Like, if you would download, for example... Uh, Ultimate NES Remix from your from from the eShop, you would know mm. that there is a Famicom theme attached to that code. Oh, okay. Um, if you don't download it straight away, you can still de- find it in your receipt under your downloads. Okay, cool. Yeah, so it's not really a difficulty there, to be frank. Right. It's almost kind of nice that it's a code instead of just being like tied to your, uh, you know, your Nintendo account, because then you can give it to a friend, so it actually kind of works out nicely that way. Um, alright, alright, if you're done with that, are you, are you ready to move on, or do you have I, I am, I, I'm ready to move on. Okay, because like, uh, I'm excited about the next game we're gonna talk about, because you were kind of telling me before we started recording that, uh, Mario Party 10, not, not so hot, and I think no. that's a bummer, because I really like Mario Party, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited, so, uh, jump right in. What do you, what do you think about Mario Party 10? Mario Party 10 is disappointing. It okay. is really, really disappointing. Um, did you play the 3DS, the most recent 3DS? Oh, I, I, I've played every single Mario Party. Okay. I'm a Mario Party fan, you could say. What I really like Mario Party as well. What do you think about the 3DS game? The, I didn't like the 3DS game. Me neither. Okay, so we're, we're pretty much on the same page. We both liked 9, as we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I have a feeling maybe I'm not going to like it as much either. But go ahead, why why is it so disappointing? Well, let's start. So you come into the menus, and you always know that every Mario Party game had these really colorful menus. Like, 9 had the, the open sky with the fields and everything. It looked really mm-hmm. nice. Mario Party 10 doesn't really have that. It is a really plain menu. It, it's, it's, it's kind of like the Wii Party games in that regard. So just like simple menus, just kind of click what you want and go. Like not not much going on visually. No, not really. No. Okay. Um. So that is kind of the first bad sign. Uh. I was I was starting up the game. Was like, oh dear, that's <laughs> that's not a good beginning, is it? Right. Um. And then you notice a couple things. You notice there's no solo mode like in nine or the other Mario Party games. There's no bi- There's no big mini game option even. Like, the minigames are, you can f- still free play them, but they are under either Mario Party or Bowser Party. They are no longer under an option. Okay. Um, and 
the the thing that Andy Cube is so much known for, like the various ways to play mini games, that's gone too. It's not there. And this is one of Andy Cube's strengths. They, if you look at Mario Party 9 and the Wii Party games, they had various ways to play those mini games. You didn't have to go to the boards. Right. And they don't do this in Mario Party 10. So the only way to play them is to, is to actually play the board game. Yeah. That, those are playable in Amiibo Party or in regular Mario Party, which is again with the car. And honestly, I feel that doing the car for a second time is a mistake. Um, really? Yeah, I feel that is a mistake. Mostly because they are not threading new ground with it. And I honestly feel that the boards are following really standard Mario themes. Okay. There's a spooky theme, there's an underwater theme, there's a lava theme, there's a grassy theme. Um... And they did, I mean, they pretty much did all those in Mario Party 9, so that is kind of disappointing. <laughs> they pretty much did Mario Party 9 all over again, without without the minigame options, solo mode, or the extra options. Um, So, I, I honestly feel that the boards could have been a whole lot better. Um, Then you have Amiibo Party. And I have a lot of things to say about Amiibo Party. <laughs> Uh, because... So how how does Amiibo Party work exactly? Like I know they talked about it, and like your Amiibo can hold right. a different item, right, or something like that. But yeah. how do, how exactly does it play? So the mode brings the classic formula back to some degree. Okay, um, you'll be collecting coins, playing mini games every round, and you try to snatch up stars to become the winner. Um, it's really straightforward. Um, but the actual gimmick, like Amiibo, kind of throws away the fun. Because at at the very least, one player needs to have an Amiibo. This is a requirement. And your Amiibo acts as a game piece in this whole charade. And you have to scan it in and save actual Mario Party 10 data to it. So if you want to use it as a game piece, it has to be locked to Mario Party 10. Okay, and so to erase your Smash Brothers data or anything like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and while you're moving about on these really square-shaped boards, um, you will have to constantly tap your amiibo to activate dice, roulette wheels, and other similar things with your amiibo. And this becomes irritating way too soon. And this while you have a perfectly fine Wii Remote controller in your hands, which should possibly do the trick, but apparently can't. <laughs> um. So the big thing with Amiibo, you kind of um, hinted at it, is tokens. Um, before you begin playing on one of those boards, you have to equip one of these coins to your Amiibo. Um, and these contain various effects that can change up the game in your favor. Uh, you can... There was, for example, one that could summon all sort of stars to the field. Uh, double the coins you earn in a select minigame. Okay. Uh, or you could swap, for example, places with another person. Um, and, and on the boards, you collect these tokens, and you swap them, and you save them to that specific amiibo. Um, and at the start of every game, you can have a bigger collection to go for. You can start out with that specific token to help you out in a race. Which also means that the three other players, if they don't use an amiibo, they have a massive disadvantage. Um... And that makes the game also kind of unbalanced, because if you have, for example, the double star one, or the star one, 
uh, appears, basically every three spots there will be a star space during your single turn. <laughs> which, 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 if you have enough coins, you can break the entirety of the game. Right. And that is really, really bad. Um, and next to that, you also collect character tokens, and these will unlock board parts for you. So you don't need additional amiibo, but those pieces, those additional board pieces are locked to that specific amiibo. Um, but you can arrange the boards at various options, and that's a legitimate cool idea. But if you don't have that amiibo on hand, like it is from a friend, for example, then you're kind of totally screwed. Right. <laughs> and so have to start. To them, yeah. And you have to start all the way back from the beginning collecting them. Right. And then, of course, if you want to use your amiibo back in Smash Brothers, then it's going to erase all that, and you lose all your all everything you've collected. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of bad. <laughs> It'd be nice if that stuff got saved with the with the game data, so you didn't have to lose it if you're gonna yeah. go back to Smash. Um, and I guess the final part of this puzzle is, of course, Bowser Party. Um, yeah, how is that? So I would say uh, Bowser Party, you will be playing on three of the five regular boards, so they don't have specific options for these. You're basically playing on just just slightly moderated versions of three of the boards. Okay. And you're still with four people in the car, and they have to work together to, to get to the end of the board. Um, and each character has a set of hearts, and it is important for that Bowser completely destroys you before you reach the end. Um, and what's cool about these is that there are dedicated minigames to make use of the Wii U gamepad, like Touch, Gyroscope, and a different perspective. Um, mm-hmm. They're fun to play, um, but the kicker is that there are only ten mini games that make use oh, of these. Oh, so you repeat them quite often, I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, that's um, too bad. And, and that's a big shame because, like, Bowser Party is about survival, and it's a really cool way to introduce new elements to Mario Party. Um, like, Bowser can place traps and make it difficult for Team Mario to succeed, and at the Team Mario side, they can steal dice blocks from Bowser. Uh, and this makes the clash between the two less likely. So it's a constant struggle, um, uh, which is cool, but like the mode in the end can end really badly for either side. Mm-hmm. Um, in many of the playthroughs I have had in that mode, the game ended at the very end of the board. And for Team Mario, for example, this ended by a single game of chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they didn't succeed at the game of chance, like Bowser had a time to to come back up and give that final push towards destruction. So, in a lot of cases, I actually... I feel that Bowser was a lot more stronger than the Team Mario side of things. Really? Uh, because if if Team Mario didn't succeed at a dumb game of chance, then Bowser had pretty much the final chance to annihilate them. And that's sort of kind of sucks. <laughs> right, to get all the way to the end and then just leave it to chance basically. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's it's disappointing really. Like I I like a lot of, a lot of the mini games in this game. I like some of the of the options that are available, but uh, there Mario Party 10 does not have a lock of lockables and it's also not a really meaty Mario Party game. Right. Um Outside of three modes I've mentioned, there's barely anything. There are a couple of extra games, but they won't last you forever. 
um, you are mostly there to play Mario Party, and if that's not really exactly the best amount of time, then it causes some issues. And I honestly think that Mario Party 10 is facing those issues really badly. Yeah, well, that's kind of disappointing. Because um, like we said, I really I really like 9, but if it kind of just rehashes that and doesn't... The ideas it tries to implement don't really work out that well, then, yeah, that's that's not so exciting. Um, but you said the actual mini games, like in the regular the regular mode, are are fairly are fairly fun. They're they're good. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. Okay. But, well, that's good at least because I felt the, like I feel like Island Tour, the 3DS game. I felt like the mini games were kind of bad in that, um, and to me that really that really kills it. Like if the mini games themselves aren't even fun, then what's the point? Yeah. Um, so at least there's that. But that is disappointing that the Bowser mode only has ten <laughs> different mini games, especially because they're really. I feel like they're really pushing the whole Bowser aspect of it. Yeah, they didn't. They had such a cool idea in their hands, but like the balance is kind of off, and and the mini games should have been more plentiful. Those are the only two big complaints I have with it. Right. Okay. Well, let's move on then to, I think, a game a lot of people are excited <laughs> about, and that is uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3DS. Um, or I guess in Europe, is it just Xenoblade 3DS? No, Xenoblade Chronicles 3DS as well. Oh, is it, so. you guys got Chronicles too? I thought just the US got it called Chronicles. Yeah, um, it, it was always called, in Europe, it was always called Xenoblade Chronicles, so. Okay, so Japan, though, it's just Xenoblade. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, you've been playing that. That is exclusive to the new 3DS. Yep. Um, how are you enjoying it so far? I really like it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it remains a really good game. Uh, you beat the original, I assume? Yeah, I put over 100 hours into that. Yeah, game. it's very easy to do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And uh, what I was so immediately surprised by is that the entirety of that game fits on that new 3DS. Like, there are no cuts made in that in that game. And that is impressive because it is a, a sprawling game, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's not it's not much to write home about graphically, I would say, but there's still a lot of content in it for sure. So well, that's impressive. Yeah, that there's able to do there, that. it definitely runs on a on a lower resolution. Oh yeah. Um. But, um, like, yeah, it runs really well for the rest. Like, it runs at a really solid frame rate. It, it, it mostly plays fine outside of a few quirks, mostly related to the battle system. But if you played with a classic controller, you also had that, where, um, you have these attacks called arts, um, which you have to select while moving, and you do that by, um, selecting them on the D-pad. Um, oh, on the right. classic controller, and you do that now also on 3DS as well. And I never really liked that. I always used to remote a nunchuck because so you... then you could move with your left hand and select them with your right hand, right? Yeah, you'd yeah. Use yeah. The D-pad on the on the controller, and then you'd use the nunchuck to move. Yeah. See, I played with the classic controller, so that won't bother me at all because that's exactly how I played it before. But I know what you mean. So if like, because because you're using your left thumb to move, but you're also using your left thumb to select your attacks. It basically means you have to stand still while you're scrolling to select your attack. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't necessarily never a fan of that. I, that's why I used to remote a nunchuck throughout that game. Um, but I can understand if people can get used to it, but I never could. 
Um, right, yeah. And it uh, is, it, because I mean, so much of the attacks are dependent about, like, where you're located in correspondence to the enemy. Oh, yeah, Especially, yeah. I mean, you know, the backslash and everything, you need to be behind the enemy, there's attacks where you have to be to the side of the enemy, so I can see how it would be a little bit more difficult if you have to, if you can't move and select those attacks at the same time, you know, it makes it a little bit particular, slower. In particular, in the moments where you have to do, for example, a focus attack, um, it's really important that you have that, that quickness about it. Um, and I didn't, I never cared really for playing it with the classical trotter that way, but, um, it's fair. I, 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 I could, I, I could get used to it, but it's still sort of a pain for me. Mm. Um, but like, the thing that makes Xenoblade still so fun is because the thing with the Wii game was you could save it at, at any point where you would want to. That was nice, yeah. And you could still do that with the 3DS game. Like, you could still, like, stop whenever you like, put your 3DS down, and come back to it later. Um, which made it perfect for me, because I usually have, like, a half-hour train ride. Um, and I just played for a half-hour Xenoblade, saved it, and went moved on with my life. Right. Uh, which is sort of nice. Um, and I like, too, about the game, and I'm sure this carries over to the 3DS version in terms of that, and maybe makes it even better suited for a mobile platform, as, as long as the game takes, you know, as many hours as you can actually pour in, it's a rather, like, fast-moving game because of so many, like, great concessions they make. I mean, for instance, like, there's some enemies you can only find at nighttime, let's say, um, and you might need to kill them for a quest, but you can change the clock at will. Like, you can fast-forward time so it is nighttime, so you're not running around a field for 20 minutes waiting for it to become nighttime for the enemy to appear. You can just say, okay, let's make it midnight right now, and okay, great, there's the enemy I need to kill. So... You know, you're not wasting a lot of time doing nothing. Like, you can always be doing something, even if you're only playing for 10 or 15 minutes at a yeah. time. The draw distance on enemies are still regular, just like the Wii game, is still not really amazing. Like, they, 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 they pop with a few to- with a few at a time, which helps to get a good handle on things, but at the same, at the same time, it, it doesn't, it kind of removes you out of, out of the game sometimes a little, right. a little bit. Um, Even watching, like, trailers for the game, I mean, you know, they're running around and, like, blade, you know, little sections of blades of grass are appearing when they're, like, a foot in front of them. <laughs> yeah, the draw distance it, isn't so great. <laughs> well, it's it's not necessarily too bad. Like, yeah. you still have a nice sprawling world to look at. But it's, well, it's, it's more noticeable with the enemies, I feel. Right. And, I mean, in general, I feel like 3DS games don't look all that great when you see them on, you know, YouTube clips or video reels. Like, they really have to be seeing it in front of you on the handheld to kind of appreciate the the look of it, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Um, how does the 3D effect look with the, you know, with the the, the 3D, eff- The 3D effect doesn't really add much, to, to no? be honest. Oh, that's disappointing. Um, there are some particle effects that bloom at the, uh, a bit more at the front, but for the rest, it's not really anything special. Um... I also kind of, I'm sort of disappointed that the Japanese voices are gone. Oh, me too. The, the Japanese voices were really good. Uh, I like playing, uh, the two times I played through that game on Wii, I always played with the Japanese voices on. And, and I don't mind the English voices one bit, I think they're fine. But I just, I'm just a bit too spoiled by the Japanese voices. <laughs> yeah, I, like you said, the English uh, voice acting was fine. But I do find that a lot of times, if the if the voice acting isn't really good, 
then I'll just go to Japanese because even if it's bad, I can't tell, you know? So I'll just read subtitles and just be happy with, with what I'm hearing. Um, sometimes if, you know, because Xenoblade Chronicles every now and then will have a line I feel like that's kind of, kind of hammy in the English, uh, right. the English voiceover, so. Hmm. Um, naturally, uh, this game is a natural fit for the C-Stick. Um. Oh, yeah. I love the C-Stick, by the way. I love the C-Stick, too. It's uh, so good. And particularly Monster Hunter, for example, it, work, it mm. works really well. And I had kind of had the same feeling with Cinebed Chronicles. Um, but just slight touches to where the camera just really moves well with that C-Stick. Right. It's so smooth, I know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, I didn't really... I had that problem with, for example, because there was... Um, what's that game called again? That that shooter that released at at new 3ds launch here in Europe. Uh, oh, uh, Ironfall. Was that Iron Ironfall. I, I yeah. had to, had to settle that uh, multiple times because it went sort of out of focus. Um, yeah, I feel like, and even playing like something like Moon Chronicles, I feel like the C stick. And I, we talked about this on uh, either on Nintendo News Report or on the the show like a couple weeks ago. But I feel like the C stick isn't so great when you're using it constantly to aim. Um, because it is kind of, I don't know if well, it's if, sensitive, if, but if, it's hard to really get a grip hmm, on. Maybe? I think, I think it can work well to aim if you have the right sense of sensitivity. Yeah. But that sensitivity was way off with I Okay. Know. But I feel like it works really well for camera because you're not constantly moving it. So it's a little easier to make like sweeping movements oh, yeah, yeah. and have it, have it fit better. You could always still press a button, though, at the same time. Like, right. set, set L will center the camera back behind exactly. you and reset, yeah. reset it. Which, these, those buttons are really easy to reach on the new 3DS. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I'm, I'm kind of spoiled by playing this on a smaller 3DS, so that also kind of helps. Oh, uh, right, right. Because, hey, I'm a living Europe. Uh, <laughs> Just have to do that little stab there. Just say, now, you're, little... now you're really making everyone jealous. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just getting, getting those those face plates when it's uh, April second. Um, but um, yeah, the touch screen doesn't also do much interesting either. You can see the status of your party and the mini map, um, and that's about it really. Yeah, um, which is fine. I mean. It doesn't necessarily need to be much on that. Right, yeah, I'd rather, I'm happy with that. I don't want them to, like, force something in there that just doesn't feel like it belongs, so I'm I'm pretty okay with that. Do you have a Shulk Amiibo? Have you used, like, the Amiibo stuff? Oh, uh, yeah, I I was almost talking, wanted to talk about that. That's uh, collection mode. Um, So, uh, by collecting special tokens, you can collect music and 3D models from Xenoblade Chronicles. Um, in the beginning, there's only a handful of things to collect, but more content becomes available once you progress through the story. Okay. Um, now, it's like you find these tokens in the regular game? No, 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 no. no you find the pieces to unlock things for with the tokens in the regular game. So, if, okay. you, if you play through a section, the music will be available to, okay. to get in collection mode. Um, so, the biggest... Problem with collection mode is that the tokens are hard to get. Um, you get three for scanning in your Shulk amiibo, um, two for every player you meet in the street pass, and doesn't matter if they have seen by Chronicles 3D or not. Um, and one for every five play coins, which is a bit steep. Oh wow! Um, and that seems fine at first until you realize that one token doesn't guarantee a new piece of content. Oh, that's bad. Um, uh, the developers were a bit sneaky about this, and if you want something new, you will have to spend three tokens in that mode. Wow. 
And while it's cool that you unlock something daily with your Shokamibo, um, it would have been nicer if you got a bit more for that effort. Right. Well, especially here. I don't know how it was in uh, in Europe, but here in the United States, getting a Shokamibo was quite the effort. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and to spend now like five play coins for, for one little token, that's, right. like, that's way too steep, man. Yeah. Because it's more likely that you will get play coins than Street Passes or the Shokamibo. Right. <laughs> which is a bit mean, which is a bit mean to say, but at the same time, it has to be said. Yeah. Yeah. But if, if, if you were in an area that has a lot of street passes, you would get a lot of tokens though. Like, if you get 10 street passes, that, oh, yeah. that would guarantee 20 tokens. Okay. So you could definitely get some stuff you don't have yet. So that yeah. would be good. So Japan is perfect for that. Everybody yeah. in Japan will love this feature. They're set. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, so for people then who haven't played uh, Xenoblade Chronicles before, you you rec- definitely, it sounds like, recommend this version. Not, it doesn't seem like anything's lost in the transition to the handheld. Well, there's a lower resolution and some, and some oh, smaller, yeah, sure. smaller gripes. So you don't have the option to play with the remote anymore. Well, okay, yeah. But even <laughs> but, I mean, uh, even the, the Wii version, it's not like it was something uh, to really behold, I feel like. The Wii version was kind of kind of ugly itself, so... Well, the landscapes were still kind of pretty. They were, they yeah. were. But yeah, it, it, I would still recommend it, yeah. Okay, cool. All right, well, that will do it. Uh, so thank you, Don, uh, for coming on and telling us about all the great things you're playing that we aren't playing yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm sure what, what, one, really one, twist your arm. One fine game, one bad game, one really good thing... <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So I guess maybe we don't need to be entirely jealous because yeah, it doesn't sound like it was it was all great times. So, um, so yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, you can follow Don on Twitter at Nintendon, uh, and you can also follow Don on YouTube at Nintendon as well, where he posts uh, like Nintendon pretty much. One. Oh, Nintendo One. Ooh, yes. Someone else had already had Nintendo. No, no. Or no, did no. you start a new account? A new account because my old okay. account was closed. Ooh. <laughs> that's a long time ago. That's like 2008, so I'm not going to okay. talk about it anymore. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> so, um, yeah, follow him there. Don posts, like, videos every week from, you know, games that are just releasing on the eShop and, and games coming up and all kinds of stuff, so. Every day. Every day, yeah. And so you can actually go there and see his video comparison of, uh. Mario for Stumping of Tipping yeah. Stars. Yeah, yeah, so there you go. Um, cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Don. Thanks for everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye. here to talk to you about Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. And with me is the man who reviewed the game for Nintendo World Report, Alex Kalafi. Hey, everybody! How's it going? We're, we're very excited to talk about Monster Hunter 4. We're coming off fresh off of losing to Gormagala in, a, in an online match. So we are, we are down to talk Monster Hunter. Um, 
Now, Alex, where was your experience with the series coming into Monster Hunter 4? So, 2013, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate came out on 3DS and Wii U, is that correct? Yes. Okay. So, I played the Wii U game, and I believe that was my first experience with Monster Hunter ever. I actually reviewed that game for this site, too. So, that game was okay. I mean, I, I beat it. I, I enjoyed it. I I was qualified, at the very least, to review that game based on as much as I played. But I still didn't, like, feel like this is a game that everyone in Japan loves as much as, if not more, than Pokemon. I didn't get that. I think at this game. point, it might be more than Pokemon. It Probably by this point, it, it definitely Well, no, no, is. It's, but it's nowhere near Yokai Watch. That's, is that's Yokai Watch actually in its own tier above Monster Hunter and Pokemon? I I think like like Yokai Watch is at like insane peak in Japan. Like it's crazy pants over there from what I've heard. Oh, I can't fucking wait for it to come I'm over very to excited America. to see to see I mean it seems like they're kind of building it up. I mean not to not to go on a tangent of another weird Japanese thing that's going to come over to America eventually. Um but it seems like they've been taking their pretty pretty little time with yokai watch because like what well, i think the first one came out in japan like two years ago mm-hmm. and they keep on talking about how they're going to bring it to the west but now it's like they're working with like western toy companies i think they're going to try to launch the cartoon at the same time like it really is going to be a pokemon style launch i really hope it picks up in the same way pokemon did uh 20 some odd years ago yeah it, it'd be nice to be in the middle of that the the big question with that is is will Nintendo have anything to do with it? And I think from from what I've seen, it seems like Level Five might be trying to bring over Yokai Watch by themselves, which is such a ballsy, cool move on there. Yeah. End. But anywho, getting back to Monster yeah, Hunter. Yeah, uh, Monster Hunters from Capcom. Um, yeah. Uh, and back on February thirteenth, Monster Hunter Four Ultimate came out on 3DS. Um, my experience with the game, I played Monster Hunter Try on 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 Wii. Uh, back when that came out, I think 2010, and I got really into it, and I was in college at the time, and then finals happened, and I dropped it, and could never get back into it. I got Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate on 3DS, and played about 15 minutes of it, and just was like, nah, I, I can't get into this. But but I got into Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate. I think this game is incredible. I think it does a great job of introducing the player. It's just so fun and engaging. It's such a smartly designed game, because, like, right right from... So, one of the problems the original Monster Hunter 3 had, and I, I assume Ultimate and Try had the same problem... No, I mean, they that, were very similar games. Is that the tutorial, which I, I assume was identical, was, uh... It wasn't necessarily the best constructed, <clears throat> because it has this intro cutscene, it says, this is Monster Hunter... And then it introduces you to every single boring concept in Monster Hunter first before you actually get to kill your first Jaggy, and then I think you end up killing your first Great Jaggy. Monster Hunter 4, from the get-go, sets you up in this God of War-style encounter on this ship with this gigantic dragon-like monster. And, like, it's it's an easy fight. You're not killing it, you're not winning, you're not losing... But it's like it's showing you from the get-go, this is how fun Monster Hunter can be, and that's your first experience. And then right after that, it eases you into all that tutorial stuff, but it's done in a much smarter way. And uh, it, the fun part comes way sooner than five hours in, like as was the case with Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. Yeah, I mean, just the way... It, it just does a lot of very smart things. Like, I mean, like you said, that, that cinematic opening. And then it just kind of... 
I would say over probably the first 10 hours or so, it keeps on slowly introducing more concepts, making everything more complex, but not overwhelming you. Like, you, I mean, you can't really, I don't think you can go online right away. Like, you have stuff just keeps on opening up with, with forging weapons, with uh, doing stuff with palicos, with, uh, you know, kind of teaching you how to add decorations to your to your gear. Mm-hmm. It just it does so many smart things like that. And I think the best thing about it, because uh, going into Monster Hunter Try or 3, um, what always kind of got me was I didn't really know what each weapon did. And I felt like the only way I could learn that would be to go online and watch a bunch of YouTube videos, which uh, the Gaijin Hunter videos, as I'm sure people might have heard, um, if not, uh, go check them out if you're baffled by Monster Hunter. Uh, that, that dude makes some good YouTube tutorials about Monster Hunter. But I think there's a good enough tutorial in the game to kind of get you started. Um, it, it eases you in so gently that by the time you actually have a grasp on things, you're already ten hours in, you've already fought two bosses, and you're already, like, in the Monster Hunter club. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they even, like... But, like, the, the the way that they give you the option to play, like, an intro mission with every weapon and kind of teach you, like, the basics of what you do with each weapon is just so smart. Because I even got to a point where I, I started off with one weapon, the dual blades, um, which that, I learned what the dual blades were all about by doing the tutorial mission. Um, then I wanted to try out the ones that were that were brand new for Monster Hunter 4. So I went back and, and tried the Insect Glaive, and I... Crap, I keep on forgetting it because there's like a charge blade and a charge axe. I think mm-hmm. it's charge axe. It's is, is the charge the blade is the new one. Okay, then the charge blade. Um But uh But I tried both of those and realized that hey, the insect glaive is awesome. So I switched my my main weapon about halfway through, and uh as we were talking a little bit pre show, there is some really cool uh Link themed DLC coming out this Friday in which you'll be able to dress up your hunter like Link from the Legend of Zelda, as well as get the Master Sword and a bow, both themed Zelda like. And I'm gonna use that as an excuse to try to mess around with, with how the bow works in that game, because I haven't dealt with a projectile weapon yet. Mm. Yeah, and then did did you mention the fact that for every single weapon, there's its own individual tutorial level that's completely optional? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I, I think you said it way more directly than I did, but like, I mean, it's just such a great way to just mess around with the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I I think the way I approach these games and pretty much any kind of action RPG is exactly the same. I, I'm more of an infighter type, so the heaviest two handed blade I can get is usually what I roll with. Like in uh, Skyrim, I did two-handed weapons in that. In this one, I did the Great Sword, which is the two-handed weapon in this. In Dark Souls, I, I take the biggest sword I can and yeah. uh, play with that. And this was no different, but it's because the tutorials were so good. Like, I actually switched it up and played with some of the other weapons, and I was like, oh, this sword and shield is actually way faster. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't actually have to guard... Or run away, it's, and I can just roll all over the place and end up maneuvering that way. Like, like it's this game is just—it's so fucking excellent. Yeah, I mean, and each weapon just feels like its own thing. Like, I, I feel like the hunting horn sucks a little bit because I think that's better when you're playing online with more people. Yeah, because um, the hunting horn is like you play music to give people buffs and stuff. Um. But even still, like, just each weapon kind of feels like its own game to a, to an extent. 
which, and, and I mean, even then going from that, like, there's so many different weapons that you can craft through each weapon, and there's, like, different lines in, like, each weapon where you would keep on upgrading a certain, like, you would you would make a weapon and then upgrade that, and you could make another weapon in that same type and then upgrade that. And then there's all these different kinds of armor, and the armor looks cool as shit uh, when, when your guy's wearing it. And, it I mean, it's just one of those things that, like, it's so cool. Like, I got the, uh, for, there's, like, a monkey boss, uh, that like, the Kekka... Kechawecha. Kechawecha. Yeah. Oh, okay. Now now I get it. Now that I said it out loud, I understand it more. Um, the Kechawecha, I got, I got that full armor set, and then I put my hunter in it, and it's just so cool, because it clearly takes shit from that, that monster, and then puts it into, into that, that outfit that you have. And I, I think I even heard something that, like, if you look even closer at it, like, all of the ingredients for each piece of armor or weapon, you can actually see that in the weapon. Oh, wow. Which is just like, like if you're like using some kind of like, you know, I guess like a, a thread or something in it, you would be able to see that. Or if like you're using an herb with something, then you'd be able to see that. Yeah, and don't actually think like just because there's all these different weapon types and armor types and all that, that you have to be locked into something. Because the brilliant thing about this game is that there is no leveling, there are no, re- well, there's stats, but it's completely powered by the armor and weapons you make. So yeah. you can switch weapons at any time, and there's no downside to any presets you set up with your character when you made it. Uh, you can make any armor you want, you can switch weapons on the fly, and there there's absolutely no downsides whatsoever. So you can feel free to try things out and uh, not feel uh, any worries or remorse or what have you. And I feel like the, I mean, even if you're not replaying missions, which you could totally do that and, like, fight the same guy and and farm, like, you know, the parts from that boss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even at the same time, if you just kind of rock through the story, not really replaying missions, you'll still have a wealth of material that you can make a lot of different weapons, even if you change up what your main weapon is going to be, or if you want to try a different armor set. Like, it's all... It's all not that complicated to try to get. And, you know, maybe maybe every now and then you'll come across an ingredient that you'll be like, well, how the hell do I get that? And then you can just, you know, there's a lot of online resources that if you want to find out how to get a specific ingredient, it might just be something that you missed. And, and it might sound a little lame, like, oh, I got to deal with getting this item or this weapon or I got to grind this boss to get this uh, armor. All that stuff is super addicting. Like, like yeah. in the same way, like... Uh, Playing Pokemon can be addicting, like, because you want to get to the next evolution as fast as possible. The grinding in Monster Hunter is exactly the same. Like, uh, it, if you like, like, just that little nice grind that, like, just keeps you super addicted into the game, like I do, Monster Hunter is fucking perfect. And I know, like, I, I think you even mentioned this in your review, Alex, like, talking about how, like, it's like every, every fight's a boss fight, pretty much, but, I feel like Monster Hunter 4 also has a lot of nice peaks and valleys because you mm-hmm. do have a lot of those those giant monster fights that are amazing and you can mount them and it's so cool. But then you also do have these smaller moments where, like, you have to fight some smaller enemies or you need to go, like, collect a certain mushroom or fish. Like, there's there's enough of these other things that give you a nice change of pace that make it so it's not like you're just playing Shadow of the Colossus. Like, there's all this other stuff on the periphery that even though the main thrust of the game is you're fighting bosses constantly. There's there's a lot of variety to it, and you can kind of go almost like you'll get to a certain point where you can just kind of screw around doing whatever you want. 
Mm-hmm. You can go back and farm old missions. You can go online and play with people. Like, you just have this flexibility in what you can do, and there's so much content there. It's it's absurd. Yeah, it's it's no surprise why people spend hundreds of hours with this game. But if you do want, like, a more traditional RPG, one of the changes that comes with uh, Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate versus previous games is that now the actual story mode is almost like a proper RPG, where there's, even though it's kind of a, a light story, there's a story there. Instead of just being one hub town, now you actually go from area to area, and they're all different themed. Like, you start off in, in the little desert town, and then you beat the main boss of that area, and you move on to do the missions in the lava area, and then you do the island, and so on and so forth forth and like it, it even though it's like it sounds small those like little mini missions actually feel way more fun or at least way less tedious because now there's a story and a context and a reason to care about what you're doing and the dialogues are really good too yeah it's funny it's a eight four did the translation yep, yep. yeah the yeah i mean i just i just think it's a i mean i guess if i did have a complaint uh, regarding the story it's that it seems like your character is just kind of along for the ride. Like, despite the fact that you're going out and you're slaying these beasts, like, I don't, I, I didn't really feel an investment in what was happening because my, my character was basically this, like, this nameless vessel that just killed things. Um, like, it seemed like everyone else was having interactions, but like, I was just, I was just a weapon. To be so, to be deployed. So it's it's worth noting that uh, at this point, Neil, you are in the third area, the island, and uh, I have beaten the main story, which is about forty hours long, uh, all told. Even though there's actually like a post game, which is like its own, probably dozens of hours that are all high rank. And there's and free DLC the coming out every and month. Free DLC, but in but as someone who's beaten the story. You do get to see more of that. It's that you haven't fought any of the monsters where you prove yourself as a hunter yet. Oh, it's uh, because like there's some higher end monsters that you get into that are really insane. Uh, um, fans of the previous entries will know some of these monsters because they're a lot of the returning ones, like the Tigrex, and uh, that's where like you get more respect as as a hunter. But either way, the story's not that great. It's just it's it's way better than what Monster Hunter used to be. And it's the fact that it's becoming an RPG, and it's it's just a real good direction for the series. Because it means now it has something for everyone. If you want to spend hundreds of hours playing multiplayer with friends or other people, which I have done by this point, and yeah, it, it's exactly as fucking good as everyone says it is, you can do that. <laughs> if you want a full, full-blown full RPG that's 40 hours long and has all these amazing missions and Shadow of the Colossus-style huge boss fights... That's is set up in a structure. You can do that too. If you want to do everything, you can do that. Three. It's this game is just fucking packed. Yeah, it's it's yeah. wonderful. Uh, um, so mm-hmm. if you if you are on the fence about Monster Hunter Four, and you would like to know more about specific things in Monster Hunter Four, uh, send in some questions to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. If we get people writing in asking us questions about Monster Hunter Four. Uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up segment. Who knows? Right. This is more of like a, hey, you want to check out this game? Here's 15, 20 minutes of us being real fucking excited about Monster Hunter 4. Yeah. If you guys want more of this, we're down. Yeah. Like, I, I, I would love the excuse to keep on talking about this game and keep on playing it because 
I mean, there's a possibility that I stop talking about this game and then I stop playing it and then, then I'll, I will regret the next couple months in the, like, like two years down the road, I'll think about like, man, in April of 2015, I should have been playing more Monster Hunter, but no one sent in questions. And now, now I'm divorced. I don't have a job. <laughs> My life sucks because I didn't play more Monster Hunter in April of 2015. It's, it's super telling too that like, Neil and I both came into this game with expectations, and then I dropped 65 hours on it in two weeks, and then Neil, who, you barely play games, and you got like 20 <laughs> hours in it. I wouldn't say I barely play games, it's that I play a lot of games and rarely get too, too deep into a game. Like, for, for an example, on my 3DS play log, like, I probably have, I don't know, I might have like five games past 30 hours or something like that, and I, I've, had the thing since launch and played it very consistently. It's just that I have a lot of like 10 hours here, 15 hours there. Uh, but I'm, I'm 20 hours in monster hunter and that is hopefully going to grow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So connectivity at Nintendo world report.com. Tell us about monster hunter four. Tell us if you want more monster hunter four. I love monster hunter four. Yeah. That's a I show, love it is too. It, Neil? That is, uh, send in emails and talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. All right, and that will do it for episode 171 of Connectivity. As always, you can send your listener mail to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. I'll be sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done that yet, and follow all of us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com, look for the Twitter sidebar on the right-hand side of the page, and you'll find all of our usernames there. We will see you next week.